Yo, EV, Evidence Live and Direct, Fly Fidelity Podcast, my favorite podcast. Check it out. First, First I, I say, say what, what we're going to do. do. Then, then you, you say, say, I don't know, what do you want to do? What we're going to do, what you want to do. I have an idea. You're going to dig this. The Fly Fidelity Podcast is, is the solution. It's the best. Check it out. You want to get super fly, fly. Details just ahead. Do you love credible content, but, but, but hate how long you have to wait? And who wants super thick and frothy dumpster juice with rat corpses in it? There's a better way. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly. Fly. Fly Fidelity. Fidelity. Fly Fidelity Podcast. Fly Fidelity, baby. Fidelity, baby. Fidelity. With your host, Luke Bailey. Incredible content for incredible times. Welcome to episode 27, featuring special guest evidence. On this episode, we explore the making of Unlearning Volume 1, a transitional 360 moment which showcases some of his finest work to date. Enjoy the conversation. wanted to start by giving you your props first and foremost for turning what's easily been some of the darkest years of your life into a silver lining with this project and you've managed to do it and emerge on the other side as energized as you sound with this album. How are you feeling about the response to this material? Do you still feel too close to the material to have any perspective on how it's affecting people? I'm kind of soaking it all in right now to be honest. Um... I think we spend so much time with our music before we come out and we, you know, go through every detail of it that when it finally makes it out to the public, it's almost like it's not, it's finally not yours anymore. Now it's theirs. And so, yeah, the, to have the response come back good has been, um, made me really happy. Made a lot of my days in the, in the last week really good. If not all of them. So yeah, it's, it's been a blessing. What about receiving these reviews that you've been getting? Do you feel you found a balance in acting, being able to receive these reviews? Were you ever nervous about the response to this project? I definitely was. Um, I took some chances on this one. Maybe not the obvious chances if you were just to look at it from a, like a broad stroke, but if you dial into some of the subtleties and the nuances, there's a lot that I did here different than my previous one, mostly by choice. Um, and so, yeah, with that, you know, it can be scary sometimes, but I think um, scaring yourself is, is healthy. And I'm around a lot of people who I'm inspired by, so just trusting the guide of that inspiration that um, I'm doing what I should be. And so, yeah. It was also a necessity to be able to scare yourself making this project, wasn't it? This journey starts last year with the single unlearning, which was very much an exercise in distancing yourself from tradition to reach a place of innovation. You talk about unfollowing an old model to get new results on this project. What have you had to unlearn as much as you've had to learn approaching this album? That one was crazy. That day set it off a lot because... My friend Gray Matter was in town. I'm showing him around. I take him to Howe's crib. We're chilling over there. A lot of people. It was like real inspiring. I was like, I was like, what's up? Like everyone's playing their shit. You know, he's like, yo, I, I challenge you to go make a song today. Shoot the video for it the next day. And put it out the next day. <laughs> and I was like, 
you know, I, nobody had challenged me or nobody I respect on that level had challenged me like that, if ever. So I ran home, did it, shot the video the next day. I think it took one extra day to get it up, you know, rhyme sayers or whatever. But I really just did that. And I was like, OK, this is this was dope. And the, the response to that song was a little different than things I had got previous. It was kind of um, I knew it was sending me in the direction I needed to go. So I was like, OK, now I'm on to something. I had a couple other songs recorded, but that really was like, okay, this is what I need to be doing. I woke up, put the phone down, put the mic up, said the first thing that came to mind. Like I don't write much, that's a lie, we all know it. Making beats, doing it so I can show my people that I'm growing, I don't cry much. I love my people when I'm in their presence. Nothing like community, I don't lie much. That's a present gift. Let's talk about direction and let's talk about going in that direction with this project. You make several clear points with this album that there's a correlation between the way people perceive growth and the way people receive growth. What's it been like to navigate between rejecting as much as perfecting in your process? Can you talk about striving for innovation beyond emulation with this project? Yeah, so, you know, like on the Pardon Me song I have at the end, I have the vocal bit from the M2MA interview where he's talking about it was a Red Bull Academy interview I think and he's talking about the three steps creative creative minds you know whether it's music or anything else from that side of the brain he's basically saying you know we all start looking at somebody and we want to go wow I want to do that so we copy it and then we move into emulation where we're not copying but we're thinking about the people who influenced us and then some people can move on to innovation where they're just not really tripping on anything. They're just doing what they feel. And I don't know if innovation means like, I'm sure it means in a sense, like making something that hasn't been done before. I have to look up the actual definition of innovation. But for me, innovation could just be just doing, trusting what I truly feel. Mm. That could be innovation, you know? And so that's where I was like, okay, maybe I don't have to add more music or come up with some new drum pattern that no one's heard before or add a bunch of strings and instruments and voices to this, but maybe I can just, if it's something new, I can go backwards to just the elements of why I started this. And that would be making beats and recording songs in people's bedrooms and figuring any studio we could get in, you know, for sometimes studio sessions starting at the middle of the night. until the morning when the main people leave the building, you know, like all that type of shit. And so, yeah, that kind of mindset was, was what drove on learning. We're talking about reinvention, aren't we? I think so. Some people could just say, no, you're just reverting. But I don't see it as that. It's hard to untrain yourself. It's hard to untrain yourself once you know better. Right. I can make this, I can make this snare really crack right now, and I can turn this kick drum up super loud, and it's gonna, when, the, when the beat drops at the show, everyone's hands are going to go up immediately. But when I was making my first music, I'd never done a show before. So I didn't think about anything like that, you know? So it's hard to like untrain your mind to get back to the place where what inspired you to do this in the beginning. And part of that process involves you removing a filter between you and the audience, doesn't it? I think so. I think that, I think the more you can remove that, and I don't know what the filter means. The filter doesn't mean a record label or mean like a person who sells it. It's more just the, the way you're recording Turn maybe turning up the lead vocal and not putting doubles on it or not using a lot of reverb or right. just make make it feel like it's a little closer, like I'm really closer to you in the feeling of the recording. 
I shine so bright So what you want, dope or dog food? Don't need a needle in my arm, I need a long groove Make the wrong moves and history's made Make the right ones, they might just try to evict where you stay I stay below the surface Maybe it's a 360 thing, you know, where you've, you've made all this, you know, meals with a lot of ingredients and you find, you know, I like all that, but I also just, I like a sandwich with bread, <laughs> right? cheese and the meat. <laughs> or, Absolutely. Or a, you know, so that kind of thing. You mentioned 360. There are a couple of 360 moments on this album where you reference your evolution and you speak to your journey as a solo artist and working through this creative sequence we're talking about. And one track specifically, you mentioned Believe in Me. I think it's on Won't Give Up the Danger. You mentioned that track. I was just wondering, as much as this was a project about unlearning, did any part of the process include you accessing older material as a way to grow? Yeah, I don't listen to my old stuff too much. The only time it comes up a lot is like if it's played somewhere and I hear it or performing it. But even when you perform it, you put your newest twist on it so it doesn't feel like that. Um, I don't I don't sit around and, no, nah, I'm not tight. But, you know, when I do listen to my old stuff, there were some moments that were really great and like really like, damn, that's what I was trying to do. And there, are other, there were other moments that weren't. But in either one of them, I loved how much I thought at the time when I did it, that it was the greatest shit. Mm. You know? So I loved that, that youth and, and confidence and just being fucking young and not listening and doing what you think was the shit. So I love, that's what I love about the old stuff. What about yourself as a mentor and somebody who's always supported, you know, the new generation with the likes of Domo Genesis and Fashion? This album, in my opinion, makes no exception, and you can hear this foundation of youth seep into some of this material. What can you tell me about working with Fly Anakin and Navy Blue for this album? Those things just happen the right way, in the sense that I'm producing tracks with them, and we've already established a rapport, and we've got to vibe and not just meet the first day and make music, but talk on the phone or whatever, like establishing a relationship, finding out, oh shit, these are solid people, you know? And then you start to build with them and the age thing kind of just goes out the window at that point. And then you just on to the artist, you're working with the person that you become friends with. And so I think the, I think the production is, is always great because I get to I get to focus on them for a while, you know, where it's not about me, I'm making the beat, but I want them to be the best. They're the star of the record. I'm the, my job is to try to make sure of that. And so they can always see, like, I'm not coming from an ulterior place because right off the rip, I'm just trying to make, I want them to be great. And so then if it's time, yo, can you jump on my shit? It doesn't feel fucked up because it's just like, oh, no doubt. You know, we're just working at this point. Mm. So Flanagan just came over and recorded that like any other day, like anybody else would. There was no real intention except we were just making something. And I thought it was good enough to go on there. Were there any artists whose reinvention and career turning points influenced you making this album? Were there any career turning points you studied putting together this project? I like the Jay Z 444 thing, not 444 thing, 444 album. <laughs> right. <laughs> that shit. I just loved. Um, yeah, I liked how it was stripped down and how he was. It felt like some kind of reinvention or some kind of growth curve happened, or I don't know. Can't put quite put my finger on it still but um being transparent and not all positive when you live in such a a famous life you know and um i liked how the beats were dialed back and he was really 
you could see, I, I don't know, it just felt raw, like the same way, the same, I'm trying to, that's my, I was trying to do my version of something like that. Yeah, it definitely translates as well, which is why I ask who influenced you in terms of reinvention and almost reintroducing yourself to the game. And you can tell with 444 that he had, you know, no fear and no worries in breaking everybody's idea of him and genuinely yeah. wanted for his disbelievers to have the same freedom. I think, like I say, with the same token, you've also done a 360 yourself. And these issues you speak on, you, you can tell that you're terrified in your mind. But you've opened your heart so much that these are decisions to have led to strength with this material, right? Yeah, definitely. I felt like, you know, some of these topics are, if not put in a good way or even sequenced right in the record with the songs that surround them or anything could be taken as like, well, this guy's going through a lot of shit, you know? But I, I just, uh, I didn't want to put anything on the album that would come off that way. And so when I played it for people, they... They're, they didn't get that from it. And so the people that I cared about, who I shared it with first. So that was like, okay, I could do what I want. Some songs I made that I, I probably won't. I recorded a lot. And so I, I didn't make just 14 songs. That's why I called it volume one, because right. I wanted to keep bleeding on into the next part, you know? But the um, some of the stuff will just be was, was just therapy records, and those will just be for me. And then I got songs where I was rhyming too, like trying to, you know, have trying to have fun and, I didn't put those on there either. So it's not for any rhyme or reason. Just got to feel right. Right. I mean, you mentioned therapy. Can you speak to your artistry over the past couple of years being as much a survival skill as much as a form of therapy? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, because, you know, so my situation, I'm, you know, raising my kid. And, you know, he lost his mom at a young age. And we, I, I made that record at the end of whether or not it was about remission and everything's going to be great. And we were you know, happy. And then boom. And so, yeah, the, this has been a crazy time, like a real sink or swim type shit, you know, that's like. And so, yeah, swimming and have a, a, a purpose, not just my life about myself, about somebody more important than myself, my son. And so some of the music is going to help me yeah maybe get something off my chest i wanted to say and then some of it is like if you don't do this you're not going to be paying bills you're not going <laughs> to you're not going to have you know you want you want your kid to do this you know you got to work harder than ever right now so it's not even a choice right and so that that was a different side of it so the album starts with Better You, which of course is produced by Alchemist. I feel like it's almost in sorts a spiritual sequel to You of Cats and Dogs. It could be. Um, I mean, maybe just because the word you is in there, it feels like that. But I, I, I feel like I don't understand exactly what you're saying. In terms of how personal the subject matter is? Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. And then it's also, it's, it's a, it's a hard hitting track too, so... Sometimes when you want to say something like that, you pick a, like a, a hard beat to say something softer on and, a, and vice versa, provide a contrast and just having violins every time it's fucking something, <laughs> something sad. Right. Talk about sinking into a sound for this album, not just as a producer, but also as somebody who's very much an architect and invested in your vision for sound. What kind of conversations were you having with the producers contributing to this body of work? I wasn't having, they didn't know. They were, some of them were submitting tracks. Some were making, I was where, there while they were making tracks. But 
for all of them. On my mind, I'm just trying to find a loop that I would have found and made a beat out of, but they made it instead. So I think when you listen to this album, it's not really obvious who made what. And um, that's, I think I've always had that skill set throughout because all my solo records have never been just one producer. So with the exception of Twist Beat Pro for the I Don't Need Love Beatles thing I did, but that was really underground and not a lot of people heard it. And so, um, yeah, just picking beats. Sometimes when I make a beat and I sit there and chop it and go through all this whole process for hours, by the time it's done, the last thing I want to do is pick up a pen and start writing to it. But when somebody else hands me like a like-minded beat or they make a beat that's in a certain key that I like, they don't, they don't know it. And I hear it. I'm like, oh, that's something I would have made. Except I get to hear it as all one piece of music. I don't have to sit there and study, know the, all the intricacies. I can just get inspired and start getting busy. So you feel like there is a level of magic you lose when making a beat and giving so much attention to that beat. You feel like in that process, there's a moment where you lose that magic? I mean, think about it. There's there's movie editors who can't watch a movie. Right. Literally. Every time they're like, oh, look, at he cut that fucking scene one second. To show, look at the fade on that one. Fuck. Oh, shit. The sky's not matching. Fuck. They're, they're <laughs> not even looking. They're not watching none of the movie. They're looking at everything else. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's how it gets sometimes when you make a beat. It's like, oh, fuck. I got too much static on the end of that snare. I should put a gate on it. I'm not, I'm not in the moment with it anymore. You know, other people get to experience it like that. And once in a while, there's a beat that no matter how much I work on it, it just still sounds like one piece of music. And then those are the ones I end up using for myself. Known to jet on a rare fleet, leaving paw prints there when I start with my bare feet. Like a bear. Find me in heaven with the stairs meet. I'm a rare breed. Kicks bump and snares bleed. Start the day with a beat. The feeling goes away from me. Yeah. Hope you understand I eat and making heat. I take things well, but not the feet. Yeah, the earth is flat as fuck. I don't know. Spent my life making good times with the bad What about stuff. the beat for start the day with a beat? I feel like this is one of the most overlooked tracks on the project. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's overlooked. People have been hitting me about that one. I like it. It's, uh, it's one of the ones I made. So to me, it's special and it's really like a deep song to me, even if it doesn't sound like it or or even read like it. But the, uh, you know, I got I'm making a beat in the morning and my, my son's in the studio with me and I find a loop and I put it to some drums that I've been having up trying to find something to go with it. And I like it. And that's the beat now that we got. And then I'm looking for another piece. And then I find a whole nother loop that I like. It doesn't work with this song, but I put it on a different sequence just to have it. So when I save it later, I could come back to it. And then while I'm trying to fucking track the beat into Pro Tools, my son just hits the button and switches the sequence. Hmm. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Just wait, that's dope. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I didn't even think about it. So I got two pieces of music that are completely not working with each other, but somehow they are. And then by the time I wrote the rhyme, I'm trying to record it. He's getting antsy, so he's just screaming. I can't hear it at first because I'm rapping, but through the headphones, it's coming through. So a lot of those screams are not like on a separate track where I said, can yo scream on my song? And they're like bleeding through on the main vocal take that I like. And so it's one of those like chaotic whirlwind moments of a song to me that's just 
crazy for so many reasons. Dope. Speaking of chaos, what can you tell me about uh, Won't Give Up the Danger with Murkish Dave? That was a beat I had from Mr. Green when we were on tour. He had played it for me. I think we were in Chicago or somewhere. And I just asked him. I liked it. He said, send that to me. And then when he sent it to me, he had made a few different versions of it in different pitches, which changed the keys, of course, and everything. And he sent me all the versions and just said, if you like any one more than the other, use that one. And I just I liked all of them, so I just made a sequence blending all three of them and just tried to make a weird musical bed for it similar to start the day with the beat just unpredictable kind of right and then um i said i knew i had deep stuff to say so i said it and then i had these two verses the second one rapping in third person for the first time about shit people had told me friends like yo if you you need money or you need time i got you or you know don't you know don't front like you're always asking us for shit you haven't burnt any favors with anybody we haven't got you no matter what type shit and so i wrote that and i had this space between it i needed a chorus so i asked slug what do you think we'll go here and he just said uh reggae he had to send me a smith and wesson record something some from boot camp and it was kind of like dance hall maybe more than reggae and uh I thought that was dope, but I don't know anybody who would like sound like that. And then he called me back two days later. I was like, no, 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 no. I've heard it in my head. <laughs> it's a British voice. You need a singer. And I was like, oh, shit, okay. And so he's like this dude in, in London that I know, Merkage Dave, I've heard of. I'm kind of a fan from the few songs I've heard. Check it out. And so I did, and I DM'd him. And then, um, yeah, he hit me back. And I'm sure it was kind of weird, but then... He came to my show at Jazz Cafe and then got the song. Nice. Do you have any plans to do more songs together in the future? I sent him beats. So if he sends me, um, if you hear him over one of my beats, hopefully that trade fulfilled. So tell me the things I have to say. I needed therapy, but I got fame, won't give up the day. Always play the back and shit. Now, in terms of simplicity and maintaining a shorthand on this album, I feel like you've really refined the technique of maximizing shortcuts as a way of minimizing the landing. That's deep. I think so. I I don't know if the word shortcuts. I'm like I, I I feel you though. I understand what you're saying. I do get it. Very much a stripped down project. Yeah, for sure. Just once again, like. I feel like things are choices, so yeah, I don't mind the long way. As long as people understand, I don't mind that it's not like shortcuts or no, my way. No, my, in my terms rules. of writing, you know what I mean? right, right. But um, yeah, I, you know, negative space. A lot of people don't understand that. That's why, like, producer rappers always have that dope flow on the beat. You know, they might not be the most bar guys, but they just have a way that's like hard to outdo that, you right? Because they don't really understand rhythm. Or no, not rephrase. They understand the rhythm of their own beat. And so they're kind of, the way they make the beat is kind of the way they rap. And so it all just becomes this one thing. Um, I've learned a lot from that. And then, yeah, sometimes, I don't know, sometimes there's, you know, you, some people rhyme two things, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da, and then they have the, the punch, you know, and sometimes I just don't think in that pattern. So I just put it out the way I do. Mm. 
Somebody who really has that locked down is Baldy James. Uh, he's crazy. He's one of the greats to me. Baldy is, is out of here. Ridiculous. He's just natural, natural on top of fucking beats. Incredible. He just same, the same guy you talk to is the same guy on the microphone. There's no difference. I love that. Can we expect any more work with you guys? I know you got two collaborations to date. I have two things I produced for him that are unfinished, but I would love to get those finished. Nice. Um, as, as for what's done now, I could speak just on those two things. Let's speak about those two joints, starting with Grey October. Grey October was the first joint we did um, off the price of tea in China, which was, you know, if not one of the albums of the year. And um, complete honor to be on that. And that was just the right place, the right time, being at our studio and getting to know Boldy as a person, him fucking with me. I think as a person, maybe even more than a rapper, because he's not impressed. If he doesn't like you, he don't, don't care. Mm. You know what I mean about it? <laughs> so, yeah, I think once we clicked on the human level, that, that got me in the door with him. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, when I had that, and we did a video, and people liked that joint a lot. Like, a lot of people, it doesn't leave the comments for me, people always bringing it back. And so the um, when I was doing mine, I had this all, all of that said song done. That was going to be the intro to my album. But then I really wanted, he liked it a lot. He would make me run it back. And so I just I felt like I should get him on that one. Vision appeared from the shit that I gritted in bed. Talking them in for red blitz with the kicks and the snares that I clinched for the stairs. I don't flinch or get scared. When it's a hit, I'm prepared. Catch a glimpse on the flicks. Head trigger on my strip, pull it like a string. Got all drugs in every color for the hypes and fans. I did a nigga on my son to try to knight the king. I bet he wake up in the scope of a sniper's dream. I rolled a dope up by the bean, Mr. Sprite with Lynn. And had to sting claim the kid for my ice to blend. Gun ho with them scony scams, we afraid to sing. What was the first song you made for this project? The last song of the album, Where Are We Going From Here? That was the first song I made. That was going to be the original title of the album. Oh, really? Yeah, Where Are We Going From Here, dot, dot, dot. It's kind of the same thing as Unlearning. Right, right. And is there a song on this project that's closest to a snapshot of where your life is right now? Um, Sharks Smell Blood. Because, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm getting, getting back to me getting closer I'm closer to fuck all y'all type attitude getting closer I haven't achieved it yet I'm working on it and could you talk about that track specifically the making of that it's yeah it's just it sounds like middle fingers up you know that's what it sounds like to right me. Uh, like uh, it's kind of like arrogant a little bit and uh, like spidey I sound spited maybe or like uh, you know just um I don't know. The tone reminds me of slow flow, Mr. Slow Flow kind of mm. attitude, you know. And uh, the beat is just really stripped down, and I could see that working live. As live things come coming back, I'm booking a few shows. I would say that that's represent a uh, good representation of how I'm feeling. Dope, dope. What about All Money 1983? You mentioned movies earlier. Let's talk about that track. Yeah, I mean, I, 1983. Uh, I met Al Pacino that year. And my father introduced me to him at a party. They had a common friend. I went to the party. I had a leather jacket on. He liked my leather jacket. He gave me gave me a compliment on it. And I, um, I was probably you know I'm five six years old, but um, I, you know I knew that Scarface had been out. I knew that I wasn't allowed to watch it, but I knew that. And I knew that um, 
my mom named him after Michael Corleone, which was who he played in Godfather. So it was like, this is crazy. Scarface is exhilarating for its vigor and craftsmanship. Al Pacino creates his freshest character in years, says Richard Corliss, Time Magazine. Roger Ebert, Chicago Sun-Times, gives Scarface four stars, highest rating. And Vincent Canby, New York Times, says Scarface is stylish and provocative. The most serious film about the American underworld since The Godfather. Al Pacino is Scarface. Rated R. Now playing at theaters everywhere. Top five Pacino films. Ooh. Um, I guess, I guess Scarface. Mm. I mean, it's not the best movie out of all of them, but I think that's probably might be more iconic than godfather and so put and then put godfather 2 and then we would have to do oh shit uh we would do put serpico mm. classic <laughs> we'll go with that. all my life i wanted to be a cop you know? it's like i can remember nothing else <laughs> Officer Serpico reporting for duties. Police officer, hold it! Hold Let me give you yours now. I don't take money, that's the truth. Hello, Frank. Hey, Frank. Thank you. Why the fuck stick my neck out? It's already out, Frank. Not taking the money. I notified Commissioner Delaney about everything you told me. He wants you to stay right where you are. Let's face it, who can trust a cop who don't take money? I don't want to see anything happen to you. I've done all I can do. Goodbye, Frank. Speaking of visuals, what about this album cover? Brent Rollins did a great job. What was that conversation like? Had he heard the album before doing the cover? I had sent him a few songs. It wasn't finished, so. Um, but he got the vibe, and he understood what I was trying to do. Uh, I, he made the Dilated People's logo. He made my EV logo. He's made a number of countless timeless logos from boys in the hood to poetic justice to uh black delicious gangstar covers all kind of just ridiculous stuff um so yeah he's always a at the top of my list i hadn't been able to connect with him for a while this is my first solo project he was involved in which is crazy to think about and um yeah he was available we had some lead-in time and we came up with the idea from this Gary Burton cover a jazz record I have. He was playing the xylophone and looked like different people, like him, like all like a slow shutter, like ten of him playing the xylophone. So we based it on that. Me walking around my studio and just plugging in wires, turntable, microphone, drum machine, joint, phone, and then um, I put this album cover, Gary Burton cover, on the left side of the album on the floor, so like a little nod to it. And then that was cool. And then he was like, why don't we make it a puzzle and I'll make the wrong pieces fit. So it's like unlearning, like this is actually the right piece, but if the image isn't correct, but I it's not going to go anywhere else. So we have to make it work. I love that. And here we are. Such a great concept. He turned her upside down. Yeah, well, definitely a gigantic layer that went over top, the top of it. Yeah. What did it feel like turning this album into Rhyme Sayers versus handing in your other albums before that? Um, it was just confirmation that they're, they let me do what I want to do and they're happiest when I'm doing what I want to do. And that's a beautiful thing. That's, I think, you know, if I'm going to be independent, it shouldn't be anything less than that. 100%. I don't even think, you know, it's, I don't think they've come to me with anything 
ever where they've been like, can you try this or what about this? It's just been more like, make sure you really like this, you know, that type of shit. And so, yeah, I've, I've always, when I turn it into them, they know I'm serious enough. And so they kind of, they'll, they'll listen to it accordingly. Okay. He's not like sending it in because he's not sure. Like if we're getting it, it's probably ready to go. And, um, you know, they've had a lot of artists on their label who have taken wild chances creatively. Mm. So, you know, Idea and Abilities album or Atmosphere albums or Brother Ali or people have taken chances. And so I'd, uh, uh, I don't think they're, I don't think it's anything foreign for them to get something that might be not what uh, a sequel sounding of what the last thing was. You mentioned Brother Ali. What was it like producing Brother Ali's last album? That was that was really cool because we've been talking about it for God knows how long. Um, you know, he's got a real commanding presence on the mic and he could rap for real. But I always liked his voice when we would be talking at the hotel or in a van on the way to a show just as much and so i said if i ever produce something i want to get you to rap like that and then he said that Ant had told him the same thing and so i was like okay well then we're on to something and we uh and then it just took a lot of years for him to come over but he's a quick writer and he's a i like the best about him is he's really focused at the task at hand meaning like some of us will drop a verse and then we let that live for a long time and then we come back to it and try to finish it out but the vibe has changed or the setting on the compressors changed. It just never gets back to the exact same place. With him, he really doesn't let the song kind of be linger. He doesn't let it linger. He attacks each one and gets it done. So that's motivational because then I got the next beat ready and then one starts feeding off the other. And, um, you know, all the same shit that I'm talking about on this unlearning, I had preached it to his to him for so much. Yeah, It was like unfair if I didn't go through with it myself, you know, so I was like, we're going to strip it back. You're going to be the star. Not everything is going to be 16, you know, intro 16, eight bar chorus, 16 chorus, refrain, third verse, outro. <laughs> I'm like, we're going to, all that shit is like, well, fuck that. You know, let's just rap till it feels like it's right. And then we'll go to the next one or we'll put a delay on it and we'll go into the next shit and make it a sound like it's one ID more than it's like 13 things. And um, I think we did a good job. We've got Feral Monch and Kuali and C.S. Armstrong, great features on there. It's just like, okay. Okay, let's get it situated. I spit directly from the people that originated. All of that shit you faking. Think that imitation is amazing. You need to fix your faces quickly for your spirit get eliminated. I've been initiated strictly by invitation to the order of the samurai. So this is sacred. We feeling by right. He's heat, but I'm light. He feel it shine bright. Deleting all hype. Speaking of rebirths, what can you tell me about producing a rebirth with MF Doom for Sarok? That's crazy. Um, you know, first and foremost, it was a real record. It wasn't something that was put together. We, it was completed, you know, a year before his passing. So um, maybe more. So there's that. That makes me feel good about it, you know. But um, yes, yeah, it feels weird. Yeah. But uh, it also feels like an honor that, man, I got to say I did produce a track for him and it wasn't like um like a remix or something it was supposed to go on her album it was supposed to be on her album they just didn't put it to, just because it didn't feel it, for whatever reason I don't know what it was but it didn't it wasn't it was saved for this version and what about the future with you stretching your sound as a producer do you have any plans to work with any 
people, such as Rome Streets for a full project? I started a record company um, called Bigger Picture Recordings. Nice. And it's going to be based around my production, not me as a rapper yet. I'm, st I'm learning too. We'll still be through Rhyme Sayers. And then maybe even Rhyme Sayers will be involved in my label. Who knows? I, you know, they're really A1 at what they do. So I got a lot to learn. But um, I'm basically going to do what Alchemist has been telling me to do for fucking years, you know, and it's just create the narrative of my own production. Right. You know, I've, I've made Kanye West track and I've made a Lincoln Park track and I've done a Sean Price track, a few, and I've done some notable shit, but it's always scattered for few and far in between and more of like a placement, you know? And so I'm like now, okay, producing brother Ali. I did a mad child album a couple years ago, did a Defar album a couple years ago. Instead of like doing those, for an advance from somebody or for just because I want to now put it under my own thing and create a sound of a label. And so and sound being based on my production, the way my studio records and EQ choices I make, engineers I use and create a sound the same way I would look at any label I dig through and I go, oh, if I like this label, if I like Musa, I know what I'm looking for. If I like something well known as Motown, I know what I'm going to, I'm, you know, they have a sound. So like I so now I'm going to do Squirrel Tape Instrumentals Part 2 coming out August. Nice. And then I have a Planet Asia album I produced entirely called Rule of Thirds coming out around the same time as that. Um, Adamo Genesis album I did a few years ago. The EP, we're going to put it on vinyl for the first time. Sell that. Limited. Um, a new EP I'm doing with Adamo Genesis right now that's I'm really proud of. Chuck Strangers. I'm going to... I got Rome Streets on the Planet Asia album, so there you go. Dope. You know, and, and now I have an outlet to really um, try to, to see where I fall in as a producer and try to get get my respect as a producer. I know I have people know I make cool beats or dope beats, but I, now I could, if I have thirty of these releases over the next three years and they're all quality, I, it might then I might be able to might not be able to leave me out of the current conversation, and that's my goal. Yo, I'm getting on from the beats that I made at my home Pressure on, making diamonds or breaking the bone Raise my tone, if I'm broke I ain't taking a loan I dig myself out of a hole that I made of my own Until I shovel dirt back from grave to the stone Staking my claim from the days that I've been making it rain Same pain, different window if I'm taking the train Huh I wish I could show my appreciation for this podcast. I wish I could respond to it somehow or be notified in the future when Fly Fidelity updates because it's so great. But I don't think there's a way I can do any of those things. Uh-oh. You're wrong. <laughs> Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud and never miss an episode. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. My people, are you with me where you at?